Are you looking to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? Fortunately, there's an easy solution from the podcast sponsor, Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians. I've made it easy to check out Medici with a link in the show notes, or you can head over to their website, medici.md, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app. Send or receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid, which is always a wonderful thing, for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Ready to go virtual? Visit Medici.md, that's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. And with that, here's the show. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Joy Furman, who is the Chief Operating Officer for Shepherd Software. Dr. Furman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Isaiah. Yeah, and I really appreciated getting to meet you and chat a little bit at the Vet Partners Annual Meeting, which seems like about three years ago at this point, <laughs> which was earlier this year. But we talked at the time, and you were part of the kind of one question podcast episode that I did around compensation. And I think that's where we'll spend some time today chatting about in that whole thought process and your view on that. But you recently shared a really good post on LinkedIn, which I'll include in the show notes from Patterson that talked about compensation. And you kind of had a quote that COVID-19 is just one more reason for the veterinary profession to rethink production-based compensation. Why is compensation so fiercely debated within veterinary medicine? Well, there's a long history and a lot of debate around compensation strategies. Back in the day when veterinary practices were the James Herriot type practices, we really saw the single doctor practices that were owned by that doctor. And then at some point, they started expanding that model and taking on other veterinary partners, in which case you had multiple doctors working together towards a shared ownership. Fast forward a few years, and we have these huge veterinary practices where there are many doctors, sometimes specialists, Many of them are associates and not owners of the practice. And really, Procell was introduced in an effort to equal the playing field between those veterinarians who were owners and who were really working hard towards building the practice and associates who had no ownership and no real incentive to continue to work harder, see more patients add in additional services and so on and so forth. So that's kind of the history of where ProCell comes from. The concerns are that ultimately it results in veterinarians being paid on commission. And from a client's perspective, it's just really concerning to me. And every day I meet pet owners who have no idea that veterinarians that they work with are being paid essentially on commission. And that is a little concerning to them. So that in and of itself, I think, further sets up this paradigm of pet owners becoming less and less trusting of veterinarians. 
combined with that, the fact that production-based compensation has a tendency to set up a lot of competition between veterinarians within the practice and really have a significant impact on practice culture and really isn't designed around the well-being of veterinarians. So while practice owners may have this perception of it's really great because I only have to pay my doctors based on what they produce, in reality, there's a lot of negative impacts of production-based compensation that aren't so direct. So it's harder for practice owners to account for those costs to the practice and to the business. So I think, you know, there's really a lot of debate within the profession and a lot of different perspectives on how it works and how it doesn't work and who likes it and who doesn't. And ultimately, my hope is that we'll come to some kind of equal parity on how to protect practices and protect their profits while at the same time compensating veterinarians fairly, not creating this perception of essentially being car salesmen in the public eye. Yeah. And I can see all sides of the argument, just like you kind of outlined, like the reasons why an owner would want to pay on production is to help alleviate some of the concerns like, well, if I have a low producing veterinarian, then I don't have to pay them as much. Then if I have a flat salary amount, that's a fixed cost for my business. And I do totally appreciate that ability, but you would think if you see someone that isn't producing to the level that you'd hope, like that's where you should step up as the owner or the ownership team and mentor them and help them get to where they need to go. But yeah, I personally have seen it in the financial services world. Like people are much more aware of the different models. And it's like, well, we just want to pay you for advice for what we have, which is the same idea in veterinary medicine. Like I'm a pet owner. I want to come in. I want to pay you for your advice and guidance and your expertise. I don't want to be thinking in the back of my mind, like, is this really necessary? Do I need this? So that to me is, it's an interesting dynamic because yeah, as a naive pet owner, prior to getting into veterinary medicine, I would have never known that. I would have thought everyone was just paid salary. And that is certainly the general assumption of the pet-owning public. And you brought up a perfect example, the financial planning industry, where historically brokers have been paid on a commission. And the public awareness around that has shifted to such an extent now that the public really demands more of that fiduciary role, which is sharing of advice. So I would think that the veterinary profession would move in that direction. It's just a matter of really convincing everyone that it is in the best interests of practice owners, associates, clients, and of course, the pets as well. So for someone that is today in the mindset that some sort of performance-based compensation makes the most sense how could they take that and tie it into maybe either practice or hospital goals as far as if we hit X as a team and try to align that from a team mentality versus individuals of saying you didn't produce enough this month, X, Y, Z to help alleviate maybe some of those concerns or what have you seen as success or do you have any thoughts around how to design something that still motivates the veterinarians coming in? Because I think from a mindset of an owner, they still want someone to have that motivation to come in and do what's right and just expect them to understand you do just pr practice good medicine and you'll get paid for what you produce, but 
don't go over the edge. Well, if it was only that simple, everyone has responsibilities and financial obligations that they have to take care of. Like it can breed bad behavior. And I can completely understand that. Again, going back to financial services, but do you have any thoughts around how to still motivate and drive the team towards goals without having any sort of production-based compensation? Absolutely. In fact, myself and Dr. Wendy Howes proposed an alternative compensation uh, structure in an article that we wrote in today's veterinary business. And you're exactly right. It's still important to motivate your team members. The first thing, though, is to figure out what motivates them. So in many conversations that I've had with associate veterinarians, some of them say that they're not even motivated by money. So it would be a veterinarian who has a spouse who is a high income earner and their true motivation is around having time off or being able to have a flexible schedule. So step number one is really determining what it is that motivates your associates. The next thing that's, to me, a very key portion of developing a good incentive program is doing exactly what you mentioned, setting financial goals that are based on hospital performance. So not tracking individual doctor production, but instead tracking hospital revenues, hospital profitability, showing transparency to your team so that if everyone works together as a team and the hospital exceeds and does well as a whole, then the team members are compensated accordingly. And that just really eliminates that sense of competition of one veterinarian wanting to hog all of the surgeries because they have higher production or the discrimination against more affluent clients. Because, yes, bad behavior does creep in when you're motivating people based on what they sell or what they produce for the business. Then the third component of what I consider to be a good incentive program is really around development of the team members. And this is a very kind of co-created goal. So it's does that associate veterinarian want to develop certain skills, for example, surgery or dental skills? Do they want to become better at certain soft skills like client communication? Are they interested in the business of the practice and want to contribute in that area? And by allowing management and the associates to work together to identify goals that are really beneficial, not only for the associate personally, but also for the practice as a whole really creates this dynamic and, as I said, co-created environment, which empowers the associates and ultimately creates benefit for the practice too, in ways that does not necessarily tie to revenue or to the bottom line directly. So have you seen any real world examples where, let's say, an owner or ownership team has shifted from something that was prior pure production or pro sal to more of a team-based model where we're going to put you on salary and then these are the practice or hospital goals and seen the impact of that change? So there are a couple hospitals that I'm aware of that have implemented this type of program. Unfortunately, it's been too short of a time frame for them to really measure results at this point. 
what's been more interesting to me is the general shift in the marketplace where there's been more pushback from associates and new veterinarians to accepting jobs that they paid on essentially a commission basis. In fact, when the AVMA did their 2018 graduate survey, it showed that the majority of new grads who had accepted a job were not going to be paid on production, which is certainly a significant shift from prior years. So I think the pressure that's coming from the new grads and from the associate veterinarians out there will ultimately cause more hospitals to move to, if not a straight salary compensation structure, certainly some hybrid of pro-sell and straight sell or any kind of alternative incentive-based program. Yeah. And we'll move on to another topic here in a second. But the last, I guess, question around that, do you think it has any sort of direction of that change you talked about in citing the AVMA study? Is it looking at corporate versus private? And you see the dynamic shifting in both. Is one driving it? Do you have any thoughts or feedback on that? Pushing towards ProCell. And in fact, many corporate groups introduced negative accrual where veterinarians, if they didn't meet their production requirements, they were then essentially in a negative position and owed the practice money. So there's been a significant shift away from negative accrual, which that has certainly come out of corporate. But to be honest, I think the real drive toward going back to more of a straight salary compensation basis has been through private practices, small groups as well. And I think corporate will probably ultimately move in that direction, but it may take a little bit longer for them to make those adjustments. It's really interesting when you think about the battle for really qualified young veterinarians, because it does seem like it is hard to find and retain top talent. So if you can find the right benefits package in the way that you're going to incentivize and pay someone that fits with what the expectations are of someone coming out of school, that would be a huge lift in recruiting. Again, I talked with some people around that, but it's very, very interesting to hear your thoughts and hear the kind of difference between corporate and private practice. That's exactly right. And I think also educating the young veterinarians is very important. When I did an ad hoc survey through a Facebook group of many veterinarians, the overriding consensus was that they thought that all veterinary practices paid on production, that it wasn't a choice. Many, many new veterinarians were just accepting production-based pay because they didn't realize that there were other options. So I think through getting the word out, through educating veterinarians that they can speak up, they can stand against production-based compensation, they can require different benefits when they're negotiating their employment, I think that is really pushing the practice owners and the corporations to meet those demands. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about where the industry will be in the future. And for me, you kind of joked about it and said, you know, similar to used car salesman or a car salesman in general, I don't know if you use used car salesman, because that's probably a, a negative connotation. But when you think about a career, you don't want to have perverse incentives. And I know so many veterinarians that I talk to, like the end goal is to provide 
super high quality medicine. And so if that's the ultimate goal, make it possible for your entire team to do that and make sure that's where the end incentive is. And I know that there's going to be people that will listen to this and have a lot of different opinions. And that's fine. I think at the end of the day, as long as you are focusing on really good care, you can try to make it work however you want to. But my personal opinion would be, I think if you're going to incentivize someone with a salary and benefits that are from a team level, you will see much more success. And that's the way that I would design a team. So as I continue to grow, I would want the same thing. I would want to make sure that the alignment of the entire group is on the success of the business and not just where it's selfish on that individual. Like you want the team to succeed. Yeah. Unfortunately, production-based compensation strategies, they force veterinarians into thinking about their own pocket. And essentially, veterinarians are really good people and they will always recommend and practice the best medicine possible for their clients and for their patients. And I think just trusting them to do that and supporting them as individuals and making a happy, healthy workplace for them is the way that you can retain strong and uh, very bright talent. So your role at Shepherd, you are the chief operating officer and you've kind of shared with me offline when we had chatted other times, kind of the reason for it being created, which is you wanted something that was intuitive, cloud-based and able to truly make a difference in the practice. It was created by a veterinarian. From an owner's perspective, can you share a little bit of what Shepherd's doing differently and kind of the mission of what you all are doing? So the whole mission and vision of the company is really around allowing veterinarians and practice owners to thrive. And there were so many holes within the profession or pain points that so many practices were experienced that just weren't being appropriately addressed by the options that were out there in the practice management system industry. So one of the major pay points was around completion of medical records and the fact that doctors were completing 10, sometimes 12-hour days and then having to sit down and spend several hours completing their medical records as well. So they just weren't having a life. And developing a practice management system that really facilitated the ease of creating that medical record, allowing, in most cases, the ability to complete the medical record before the patient even left the practice was a primary driver and incentive around creating the software that we did. Also, from a practice owner perspective, another huge pain point in the industry was mischarges. And that means that where services have been provided, and in most cases, already estimated and approved by the client and then performed on the pet, but it's due to just unintentional neglect, weren't added to the invoice. And this is costing the profession hundreds of thousands of dollars. And developing a software that did automatic charge capture, we've seen has had a tremendous impact on the revenues of practices that you shepherd. So it really is another primary goal that we set up when we developed the software. I love that. You should get paid for what you do. And so the accuracy of that, that's something so simple, so novel, but yeah, like you said, a huge impact to, it goes directly to the bottom line as far as 
what you're able to do with that then. And I know we talked about earlier, money is not always the ultimate motivator, but you should absolutely be compensated and ensure that the business is making the proper amount for the work that's done and completed. Do you have a favorite shepherd story? You can take that any way that you want, personal, professional, working with clients, anything that comes top of mind? Well, I think my favorite thing about working as Shepherd as an individual is this incredible sense of purpose and to transform the veterinary industry. Uh, certainly something that I feel very connected with and really resonates with me. And everything we do, we do with the goal in mind of making our clients' lives easier. And we're known in the industry for providing outstanding customer service. And the reason for that is because we really do care about every single one of our clients and about their businesses and about their well-being. And we've been known to go out to clinics and just meet with owners and help talk them through things that have nothing to do with software at all help them through staff training issues or conflict within their practices because that's our mission within our business is to really, as I said, help veterinarians thrive in their lives and make life easier for them. So that's what makes our company unique from our competitors is just our sense of connectedness with veterinarians in the industry. I say it all the time. I think the most valuable asset that anyone has is time. You can't get it back. And we each have things that we love doing and things that we don't love doing and filling out records or trying to problem solve on something that you don't love from a technology solution, likely not the top of the list of things that you or I or anyone else loves doing. And so I think being able to give people time back in their pockets is a huge lift. So no, I appreciate you sharing that story and love the mission of what you all are doing. Switching gears a little bit, you have a really unique and cool background that I wanted to touch on. So you have your DVM, your CPA, and your MBA. What's been the favorite of all those different accomplishments? And maybe what was the most difficult to get or maybe the education or the process for you? Well, to answer that question, I guess I'll give you some of the background. I was first a CPA. I went to business school as an undergraduate, actually became a chartered accountant in South Africa first before moving here to the U.S. and getting my CPA license as well. And at some point in my life, I recognized that I wasn't doing anything that was really meaningful or impactful. And that's when I made the choice to go back to veterinary school. It was a very long, tedious process. I spent about three years working at a vet clinic during the day and going to school at night to essentially redo my undergrad because I had none of the science classes needed to get into veterinary school. And then I spent four years in school and did my MBA at the same time. So it was a fifth year as well. So it was a really long, arduous process. So to answer the question of what was the hardest one to get, that would for sure be it. I think the fact of throwing in the MBA at the same time probably exacerbated that situation. And the fact that I gave up my profession as a CPA to move over into veterinary medicine, I mean, speaks volumes to my desire to want to be a veterinarian and to work in this really incredible, amazing profession. 
I think I've seen DBMs go and get their CPA and kind of switch roles that way. I don't think I've ever met anyone that's done it in the reverse order like you did, which is really cool. And I love the part about having the impact and feeling like that, again, going to that sense of making a difference and being connected and truly loving what you do. And it's very, very cool. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. So the podcast is all around success. And for a long time, I kept asking people what was their version of success and kind of hearing those responses. But I want to start switching and asking a different question. So if you'll allow me, I would just like to talk to you about what makes veterinary medicine great. So again, you chose to leave being a CPA to come into this industry, and you've been able to interact through your various roles over your career with a lot of people within veterinary medicine. What makes the industry, what makes the community so great? I think veterinary medicine is a very tough profession for a number of reasons, and I won't even go into the economic factors that many people will speak really eloquently on, but it's a very heart-wrenching profession. You know, we do this because we love animals, and yet we see a lot of sadness at the same time. So it really does take a lot out of you and you need to be emotionally connected. That being said, what makes the profession so great is that bond that you create with your clients, that they bring one of their most trusted possessions and joys of their life to you for care is so rewarding. And honestly, the animals themselves they know it too. And that sense of comfort and ease that you feel when you've helped an animal in distress is so tremendous that I completely understand why we have five-year-old girls who want to become veterinarians when they grow up. It's just the most rewarding and heartwarming role that a human being can fill as a professional to be the voice for those who can't speak for themselves. It's a fantastic response. Thank you so much for sharing that. What are you working on next? Anything, writing any more articles? If people are interested in getting a hold of you or talking to you a little bit about your thoughts, where would you direct them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lots on the go, working on lots of webinars and also articles as well, revisiting the issue of mischarges, which still plagues the profession, sadly, and working on a lot of support for veterinarians as they navigate their way through this crazy world that we're living in right now and trying to identify how it's going to impact their business and what they can do to stay ahead of that curve. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, love to get in touch with you. My email address is joy at shepherdapp.com. That's app.com. Or just feel free to message me on my LinkedIn page. You know, Shepard is in the process of developing their new version of the software, which is going to address a whole lot more pain points that we see in our profession. And I think is going to bring huge, incredible change to the industry. And I would encourage everyone out there to keep an eye on our website and just see what that impact can be on you personally and on your practice. Fantastic. Yeah. If you want to help shape and see the changes that can happen in the industry as an owner or someone that makes those decisions within a clinic, I would definitely pay attention to what Shepard's doing and 
Joy, thank you so much for spending some time and chatting through everything with me today. It was a pleasure. You are very welcome, Isaiah. It was wonderful chatting with you too. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah is the founder of ID Financial Planning and Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. The biggest compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is a platform that is predominantly how people listen to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us an honest review and rating. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information and insights and the ability to have your voice heard, please consider joining the private podcast Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com, scroll down to the about your host and click on the Facebook icon. Then I can approve you, let you into the group and would love to hear from you there. Thanks for listening and I'll be talking again to you soon.